Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You are listening to the Arash Markazi Show on a new generation of radio. The all new and mightier 1090 AM. Good afternoon on a beautiful Thursday and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the mightier 1090 in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I am joined by producer Jihei Wiley and associate producer Armani Buckets. How are we doing? I'm doing great. I don't know about Armand. I'm 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 bummed that I have to leave for Vegas today, though. But other than that, I'm awesome. I kind of wanted to stay for the Thursday night game, but that is not going to happen. <laughs> I was gonna say, Gia, you you are in Las Vegas. We've uh, if you're following Gia on so- on social, you know that you, she's having a good time. She's in her home, away from home. She is in her comfort zone. We were texting last night. You were having a bottle of uh, Justin. Isosceles, which is one of our favorites. Yeah, it was delicious. Um, listen, the game that I was watching, just because I was kind of kind of wanting to see how the Clippers were going to do, and then to be honest, I, I had very low expectations considering Paul George uh, was not going to play. So Paul George was was a late scratch, and uh, but then so they don't have a star. And I and I don't know if it's too soon to say this because I mean I've really liked this kid since he was at Sierra Canyon, then he went to Kentucky and then he dropped in the draft right in the lap of Jerry West and the Clippers and Jerry West has like a track record of always drafting you know future stars late, but man I, I don't know if it's too soon to say it, but Brandon Boston Jr. last night against the Boston Celtics so appropriately enough. Boston goes off on Boston and uh, just had a career night. And again, on a night where the Clippers, again, they don't have Kawhi right now, obviously. They didn't have Paul George last night. Brandon Boston off the bench, 27 points in 25 minutes, five three-pointers. Armand, you touched on it. You like this kid. What, what, What did you see from him? Just overall poise and confidence. The self-confidence, first first shot that he took um, from the corner, you had the whole Celtics bench in his ear. This is what NBA veterans do. They'll they'll talk smack to, to rookies to see what they're made of, and he immediately points right back at them and does a little three-point gesture. You could tell he oozes confidence. The next time he touched the ball, Marcus Smart's guarding him. He takes him right to the rim puts his shoulder into his chest. Remember, this kid is 20 years old. He's not a grown man in terms of his physical strength yet. And he has absolute fearlessness in his veins. The Clippers are going to have to find a way to get him involved in the rotation because he needs to play. And the thing is, I don't know who he's going to take minutes away from. And you know, I mean, he needs, to and play. this is like the perfect season to do that. Cause you don't have Kawhi. There's, there's no, if we're being truthful, no championship, uh, like expectations. I mean, if they could develop this kid this year, Kawhi back next year, Paul George back. I mean, th- this could really be something. Again, we 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 will be joined by Nick Hamilton in the second segment. But I did want to give some shine to Brandon Boston Jr. So instead of hearing the press conference clips in segment two, I, I want to play for you right now. Again, a, really a, a a coming out party. Let's now hear from Brandon Boston Jr. and Ty Lue following that big win last night. The Clippers over the Boston Celtics. And again, but, but no matter how you feel about the Clippers, folks, it's always a good day in Los Angeles when the Los Angeles team 
can beat the Celtics. So now let's hear from Brandon Boston Jr. and from the star of the show, the star of the game, Brandon Boston Jr. You know, I was back and forth between taking him and Luke out of the game at the end because we need to get Blair back in for an extra ball handler. And uh, Blair came in and, like, saved the day for us down the stretch, able to beat that pressure um, when they picked up full court. Got Luke a three, I think. Got another three for Luke and a little pass to Zoo. So um, his speed when they try to pressure us really helped us out down the stretch. So that was good to see. Is that also the value of Aaron? It's like... You can bring him in, and he could just power pass people to yeah, get you through those things. Exactly, and, and that's what we needed. I thought Reggie got worn down. He was tired. Um, they pressured him. They jumped him in the backcourt. So getting another ball handler in the game I thought was really key. And um, got bled in with about five and a half minutes to go, and um, he really did a good job of breaking that pressure. Ty, this is the first time you, you have back-to-back wins in three, in three weeks. How much does that add to your confidence level? For this team. I mean, you know, minus PG, I think this was a good win for us. I don't like the way we finished the game, you know, but they got out. I mean, we had 13 turnovers in the second half and they got like dunks, not like we were able to get back and they, they got dunk after dunk after dunk. So, you know, it's hard to win games like that. Like I said, but we kept our composure. We knew this was going to make a run, but we can't, we can't gift them a run. Like by turning the basketball over, let Tatum get three dunks in transition. And, um, you know, we just got to be better protecting the basketball. So um, outside of that, you know, without PG, I'm playing, you know, late scratch. I thought our guys did a good job of rallying up and, like I said, getting a 21-point lead on this team and um, coming out with the victory. Hey, Ty, uh, two questions. Uh, one, how good does it feel to finally get, you know, two days off of rest after a five and seven night stint? It feels really good. We're off tomorrow again, and then we'll practice on Friday. But it feels good. Um, hopefully, you know, give PG a chance to get some rest, you know, with his elbow. And um, Reggie, you know, he's getting worn down. You know, I can see it. We're asking him to do a lot, especially with PG out, you know, having to handle the basketball as much as he did and try to create for his teammates. So um, hopefully these two days he can get to try to recover a little better. And then in terms of PG, uh, you know, how exactly is he feeling? Because I saw him shoot like a couple shots pregame and just kind of said no and then went right yeah, to the back. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I just know that you know, so he was, he was going to try it out after he did his routine. He was a late scratch, so I have had a chance to talk to him afterwards. Because you were having to start Marcus and Pico, you know, forward and back and forward. What were your expectations for that reserve lineup with Boston sort of in there at the four um, going into this thing? Well, T-Man, um, like I said, starting the game, and then we wanted to get Nico out and because he's on a minute restriction. So if he was able to keep it close in that, in that first half, a close game, we was going to save as much as minutes for the second half, and um, that's what we try to do. Um, so... Um, you know, Brandon coming off the bench gave us a huge spark. You know, like I said, shooting the basketball. Um, Luke made some timely shots down the stretch as well. So um, they really played well together. And so, um, like I said, then Blair came in off the bench and, and gave us a huge boost that last five and a half minutes of the game. But Brandon scoring off the bench, I think, really um, propelled us to this win. Are you guys running anything different for Marcus over these last few games, or he's just getting more comfortable? Yeah, we're, we're going through him. We're playing through him a little bit more. Um, two times we turned the basketball over, just you know, a simple post ups trying to give him the basketball. But um, their pressure sped us up, and um, they had some really good defenders. You know, when Shorter's picking you up full court, you got Marcus Smart, you got Richardson, who also can pressure. So when they turn their defense up and they have three guards that can really pressure you, um, it's, it's tough. But we just got to be, you know, do a better job of just securing the basketball and um, being tight. With it not turning the bas- 
the ball over the way we did. Um, but we wanted, like I said, get the ball to Marcus, feature him a little bit more. And we've been going to him. And like I said, he made some huge shots down the stretch for us. Ty, I know you don't want to talk about your turnovers, but their turnovers led to 33 points. And Brandon led the team in steals. He had four steals. He had the baseline stop on team that wasn't a steal, but it was a turnover nonetheless. Like, how are you assessing how he's coming along on that end of the floor and how you can weaponize his length? Well, he's a competitor on that side of the floor. And like you said, just defensively, just learning the foundation that we, you know, our defensive foundation, which he's pretty smart and picks it up, but he competes. You know, whether he's, you know, a stopper or not, but he competes on that side of, on that side of the ball. And so that's half the battle. You know, if you're going to play hard and compete as hard as you can on the defensive end, then things are going to work out for you. So that's what he did tonight. Hey, Ty, Nico said, like, this is Brandon's, like, first really big game. But um, as coaches, what do you tell a kid like this after coming off of a high like this? No, uh, he's excited at halftime. I just told him it's another half to play. So don't get too excited. Like, you know, um, there's still 24 minutes left, and then we can talk stuff after the game once we win. So um, he's just excited, man. Just, you know, he loves to play basketball. And um, you can see the joy he plays with every time he steps on the floor. So I'm just very happy for the kid and um, all the work he's put in. Thank you, guys. Uh, you had a lot of crazy moments tonight, but that that end of the second quarter, three, yeah, you already fucking know, man. Like, what 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 happened on that play? Like, if you have anything crazy like that happen before? Nah, yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, nah, I just knew Muck was gonna throw it to me because he always he always get me right with the ball, but. Just, uh, I took one dribble to look how much time was on the clock to my left. So as I took that dribble, I looked up and seen one second. I said, okay, I got enough time to turn around. So when I turned around, I just let it go. <laughs> I did. Keep going. Just kill. Keep going. Make everybody pay. Rich Paul, my uncle. Brandon, uh, first of all, congratulations. Uh, talking about the crazy moments tonight, you had a technical foul and a flagrant foul, but that didn't stop you. How did you develop that mindset and maturity this early in your career? Uh, you know, just keeping a short short memory, uh, not really reminiscing on the plays that I already have and just staying present whenever I'm in the game and controlling like I can control. What's up, Austin? Um, honestly, I don't think I've ever seen a player get 46 and then a week later get 27. And, um, you know, it just made me think about TC. You know, um, I know how close you guys were and you, you talked to Miriam the other week, kind of stuck with me because I, I was around you guys a lot. Um, you talked about, uh, you know, just y'all two together and, you know, the mission, you know, and uh, what do you think he would say to you right now? Because I know he would have been the first person to hit you up. What would he have said to you? Thanks. Uh, he would have called off on screen. Just excited, bright smile on his face, just telling me, I told you. I told you, so you're the best in the world. Just keep going. Like That's the type of relationship we had. He always pushed me to be my best self. So I always keep that in the back of my mind. And I actually like dedicate this game because they're from Boston, and he wanted to play for Boston. So just going out there and carrying that chip on my shoulder and his energy just carried along the way. Yeah, what has the learning curve been like for you where 
you're getting a lot of run in the G League bubble, but minutes have been scarce at, at the NBA level. Like, how do you stay patient when clearly you you talk all the time about how much you want to play and you show you you have opportunity? What's it been like to only have so much time um, and trying to make the most of that time? Uh, just me really mastering patience, just staying ready whenever my time gets called and going out there, just playing my heart out every every minute I get and really controlling what I can control. Uh, I would say a lot of people, me personally, I'm a patient guy, and that's something I developed over the years, just being patient with myself, being patient with others, and just knowing that it's a bigger picture and it's always going to work out on my end as long as I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Hey, Brandon, you told us a couple weeks ago that in some way the NBA can be easier than the G League because of the space that you have up here. After not having big games in both leagues, what's your take on the differences between the two? Take on the two, I feel like the G League, uh, everybody's playing. Well, I feel like both leagues are playing 110% at all times, but the G League is a different level because they're trying to get to the big league. And everybody's out there doing the right thing every single time, uh, playing hard every single play, not taking a playoff. And I feel like that's just the biggest difference. But the NBA is also it's not it's not easy. It's not easy, but it's something that you really just got to adapt to and adjust to as well. I got to ask about the, uh, the, I guess, the, the technical. That's your first technical, yeah. I guess. Your first time for everything. <laughs> yeah, my first <laughs> what, what happened there? I just went at Marcus Smart and, you know, got the bucket and then we just, I just started going at him. You know, just tell him I'm here. Just letting him know that, that my presence is felt, uh, that I'm not laying back for nobody. No, it's definitely fun. <laughs> Um, uh, Truder was just asked post game about you, and he said that uh, we got to respect everybody. At the end of the day, he came in and busted our ass. He won them the ball game. Clearly, there's a lot of respect post game for you. But but in the middle of the game, as you were going off, are you hearing from guys from the other sideline too about what's happening? Yeah, definitely. I always hear them talk uh, on both ends. So really, just muting that out and just being able to play through everything that's going on during the game. Just focus on myself, honestly, and the team. Just trying to do everything I can to win. Uh, kind of along those same lines, two questions. Number one, you had a corner three in front of the Boston bench, and you kind of gestured toward them. What were they saying to you to kind of elicit that response? I forget what they said, but they was talking crazy before I even caught the ball. So as it went up, they were like, oh, he's Mr. 46. That's that's what I heard. They called me Mr. 46? Yeah. You like that, Nick? Hey, I'm going I'm to I'm run with it. Number two, uh, you have four steals tonight. How have you felt your progression coming on the defensive end? Uh, really just make sure I'm in the right spot at the right time, uh, knowing my, my rotations, when I need to rotate, when I need to stay on my man, when I need to be the low man to help. Uh, really just being, be paying attention to the, to the reports and the scouting reports. Asking questions that I don't know, watching film, so I know exactly what it would be. Uh, how much responsibility did you feel when you found out that Paul George was out? Uh, did that give you more motivation, you know, to help the team? 
at that point? Uh, yes, uh, P is a, he's a great part of our team. You know, helps us in every single way. So just me going out there, trying to do everything I can for us to win. Brandon, in addition to the buckets, I mean, you had four steals that led the team. It was a big factor with the Celtics giving up so much points off of those turnovers. Just what is going through your mind uh, when you can you, you have this wingspan and these quick hands and you can make plays on that end of the floor too? Really just trying to uh, develop into a two-way player. Uh, like I have God-given talent or God-given abilities with my long arms and long frame. So just going out there trying to do as much uh, disruption as I can. What is your weight span, by the way? 6'11". Appreciate y'all. Thank you. All right, that was Ty Lu, Brandon Boston Jr. Just a, it's really a cool moment when you can see a rookie perform the way he did. Again, I mean, you, you're talking talent-wise, was going to be one of the top picks in the draft, drops, was only in Kentucky for a year, transferred to Sierra Canyon here locally. If that sounds familiar and you don't follow high school uh, uh, sports, that's Bronny James's school, and a lot of future prospects play there. Um, gee, did you get a chance to watch the game? Did, did you place any wagers? Will you be making any wagers before you head back home? I will definitely be making some wagers when I get back home. Unfortunately, I did bet on this game in a parlay. Um, and the stinking Knicks didn't win. So my parlay went to crap. So it didn't really matter what, um, you know, who I bet on thereafter. I did a, I got a little greedy. I normally try not to get a little greedy because when I, uh, tend to, um, I, I, when I tend to get greedy on parlays, I normally, it's always the last game that doesn't pan out. Uh, this time it was the first uh, first game that didn't pan out. But um, yeah, I, I took the Clippers. I should have just taken the Clippers straight up to win, but I didn't, and to, to cover, but I didn't. Um, so yeah, I got one parlay, right, um, with the Clippers in it, but that's pretty much it. And it was all favorites. It was Golden State. It was, um, you know, the Clippers. Uh, and yeah, so it just <clears throat> made, made some bets, but lost lost a lot of money. So you're welcome for all that money. <laughs> Um, and yeah, made maybe like a few hundred bucks on, on that last parlay. That's why it's so hard to bet with the NBA because I mean, the Clippers are blowing out the Celtics and you're going to think, you know, okay, I think the line was four, um, and they won by three and you're like, oh, come on now. I mean, so the Clippers won, GA's happy about that, but listen, she would like her team to win and to make some coins as well. So how does Brandon Boston Jr. get more time on the floor? Because I really think that that should be a goal of this team this year. Like, I, I know they want to make the playoffs and all, but like, like, like I said, no Kawhi. Uh, if if you can come out of this season with a a future star, my goodness. So Armand, what, what what I mean, how do they do that? And to be honest, I really do think that's got to be a goal. I I don't know because Paul George didn't play last night. Yeah, that's a great point. The thing is, like, okay, so they got Nick Batum back. Marcus Morris is healthy now. Reggie Jackson, Terrence Mann, Eric Bledsoe, Luke Kennard. Who is he taking minutes from? Maybe the goal for this season, as much as it pains me to say this, is just to let him just take as many shots as he wants in the G League. Because Oh, interesting. Because where is he going to play? I mean, I don't think he should take minutes away from Luke Kennard or Terrence Mann. Uh, Maybe a little bit, but... Is it more beneficial to take a little bit of minutes there or just get all the minutes on the 
Agua Caliente Clippers <laughs> and just let him <clears throat> shoot 25 times a game because I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't yeah, know. Yeah. I just think nights like that where he's in front of the bright lights at Staples Center going up against the Boston Celtics, and as you said, they're chirping at him. It's just different. Again, he could ball in the G League. I just think it's different when he has nights like this, and that's something that he can learn from, certainly if they make it to the playoffs and and he plays in those games. All right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we will be joined by our good friend Nick Hamilton breaking down all things Los Angeles sports when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California and 98.5 in Las Vegas. We will be right back with the Arash Markazi Show. And you are listening to a new generation of radio, the all-new and Mightier 1090 AM. listening to the Arash Markazi show on a new generation of radio the all new and mightier 1090 a.m. when we come around Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mighty Air 1090 in Southern California and 98.5 the fan in Las Vegas we are now joined by friend of the show every Thursday highlight of the week for us Nick Hamilton Nick how are you I'm doing good, man. How you doing? We are good. Getting excited for a sort of, you know, stretch run here before the um, holidays. Uh, Nick, you know, what's happened at USC is exactly what you predicted would happen. I mean, the turnaround in terms of recruiting was not going to take that long in terms of a lot of the, you know, Southern California recruits who had committed to go to Oklahoma are now coming to USC. And then, you know, when you look at the Heisman Trophy, you know, who's going to win the Heisman Trophy, another Southern California product. I mean, just speak to it. I know we've talked about it before, but I mean, we're seeing it come to fruition. The significance of Lincoln Riley at USC and why the turnaround might not take as long as some people think. Well, I think Lincoln Riley is impactful. I think what he's done at Oklahoma as far as taking over after Bob Stoops was, which was huge shoes to fill. And now you're taking over a program that has been decimated by just mediocrity. And you're you're able to be a part of something historic, potentially, as far as restoring a program close to, if not on the verge of being where, where Pete Carroll once was when he had the program in his grasp. And everybody wanted to come to USC and kids were lining up to come to USC. And that's something I think that Lincoln Riley can fill that void uh, as far as just being able to recruit kids, uh, you know, pretty much having kids be a part of this new journey is something historic. Uh, and then also, too, turning around a program uh, that has been known for years. I mean, USC, when you think about USC, you think about college football. I mean, college football, the sport is better when USC is better. Um, and that's just what what it is. And so when you look at, uh, you know, you talked about Bryce Young earlier, being a Southern California kid who's on the verge of possibly winning, winning the Heisman. I know he's been named the AP uh, Player of the Year. Uh, you know, he got 46 out of 52 votes, which to me should have got 52 out of 52 votes. But anyway, um, when you have that type of product coming out of your backyard, Lincoln Riley understands the importance of being able to to recruit from California because college football basically is all about recruiting. Yeah. If you can't recruit, then you're pretty much going to have a dead program in the water. And the three states that really 
elevate high school football are Florida, Texas, and California. And if you can't recruit out of those three states effectively, then your program is going to be like an old dish rag tossed to the side. It's not going to work. Um, so I think Lincoln Riley understands that. That's why he immediately got to work, even after the press conference and the big hoopla that we were all there for. And we're seeing the results of his hire, uh, not just directly, but indirectly, as you're saying, you're seeing kids decommit for not just Oklahoma, but for a few other schools they have decommitted from to be able to have opportunity to play for Lincoln Riley at USC. And I also think it's going to take probably a season uh, or so to really turn this program around. Being at the Pac-12 championship last week and seeing how many U Utah fans that were there, pretty much a Utah home game, but seeing the impact of what Utah has done, and we know there's a lot of California kids that have been recruited by Kyle Whittingham at Utah. Mm -hmm. Imagine Lincoln Riley being at the Pac-12 championship in Vegas next year. Mm -hmm. First of all, the flights are going to be booked to capacity. The <laughs> hotels are going to be skyrocketing because all these L.A. folks coming uh, for USC. So I, I think there's three things like we talked about before that Lincoln Riley has to do. Beat Notre Dame, beat UCLA. Um, and then get to the Pac-12 championship as a representative on the Pac-12 South. Uh, Nick, there was a point this past summer, like you know, like, like July Fourth weekend. We we thought we were kind of past COVID. We thought that the light, we'd seen the light at the end of the tunnel, and everything was good. No mask mandate, things like that. Obviously. Things have changed, and, and when you've looked at, at sports over the past week, I mean, the number of players who are in health and uh, safety protocol, COVID-19 positive or close contact, games being canceled, postponed. Uh, the Chargers specifically, what's happening over there? I mean, I, I know um, they've had a positive case, but but as they go into a, a pretty significant game for them Sunday against uh, GH Giants, what's happening there? <laughs> well, we had a chance to speak with uh, head coach Brandon Staley on Wednesday and basically said, look, uh, Chris Harris Jr., Mike Williams came into close contact with Keenan Allen, who actually tested positive for COVID-19, unfortunately. Um, so they're doing it as a precautionary measure. Obviously, the health and safety protocols uh, re regard them to going through certain tests. Um, their, their status is up in the air as of right now, uh, according to head coach Brandon Staley. Uh, but again, they could be available for Sunday. Um, it's, it's not determined at this point. Keenan, on the other hand, could could possibly miss Sunday um, as a but they, they, the thing about the, the charges that I think they still even with Mike Williams and Chris Harris Jr. back in the fold, let's say they're able to play and they get cleared to play, which more than likely that's probably going to happen. They could still beat the Giants even without Keenan on the on the floor. Yeah. Um, the problem is, do you have Keenan ready? for a short week and the Thursday night showdown against the Kansas City Chiefs at SoFi. That's the question. That's what everybody's concerned about. Yeah. And that's the game you should be concerned about because that is a major game. That is a statement game. Uh, if you can go ahead and beat the Chiefs twice in the division in the season, that gives you ample opportunity to be able to say, okay, you could compete now for the AFC West title uh, as it pertains to trying to win that division. So, I think more eyes are not so much focused on the Giants as far as Keenan's status, but more so will he be available on Thursday night against the Chiefs. That is, is the concerning factor. But fortunately, no other no other players uh, were exposed or came into close contact, which is a good thing. Um, so I wouldn't worry too much about the Giants game. Like I said, I think everybody's focused on Kansas City.
Yeah, I think even Jihei agrees that uh, the uh, Giants are not that good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, amen on that one. I'm not. I'm not going to be an unrealistic fan and and think that we have a chance. So yeah, um, I am going to the game though. Oh, <laughs> gonna go. go and see. Gonna go and see us get our butts whooped. But yeah, I, I mean, even with Keenan Allen out, I mean, the Chargers have just so much talent that it just it's not going to matter. I mean, who, who's your quarter? We don't even know who the quarterback is going to be. Yeah, no. Um, that, I think that that's still up in the air. I know uh, Dimes is not going to be there, or Jones. D- I shouldn't even give him that nickname. It's it's, <laughs> hor- it's a horrible, horrible nickname. Um, but yeah, no. It's I th- I think it's still up in the air um, right now. But um, I'm looking it up and just finding out just in case uh, who is our backup. But it, again, it's not going to matter. It's it has it mattered all year long? No, of course not, because <laughs> we're terrible. Nick, oh, uh, terrible. Everything's terrible. Yeah, two big division games coming up uh, on Monday and then on Thursday. Um, how do you see those playing out? Again, the Rams going to Phoenix to play the Cardinals. I, I, I mean, without a doubt, you must win game when you consider the Cardinals came to SoFi and won that game in the lead that they have currently in the division. Um, well, I guess let's start there. Rams, Cardinals, obviously a must win game. How do you see that one playing out? Well, it's definitely a must-win game, but even if they do, if the Rams end up, you know, avenging their early lo- their earlier loss in the season against the Cardinals at SoFi, and they happen to do it in the desert, it's still not going to guarantee them the winning of the division. Yeah. It'll just help them as far as seeding is concerned in the playoffs, whether it's the fourth seed or the fifth seed as far as where they rank. Um, unless Arizona completely le- stumbles, falls, and lands on a bunch of L's down the stretch, um, they're pretty much going to win the division regardless, even if they do get swept by the Rams. I mean, excuse me, split with the Rams, I should say. So I think the Rams have a great, a golden opportunity to 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 win this game. I think some things have changed. I know they played a high school team, a high school team uh, disguised as an NFL team as the Jaguars, <laughs> but I think there were some things. If you can look at that game and go back and watch the tape, there were some things that they actually changed and were able to maintain. I mean, they they stuck to the running game. They added Sony Michelle, who got a majority of the carries. They were able to be fluid and not, and Matthew Stafford didn't fully rely on Cooper Cup. He he was able to spread the ball around. He was able to get Tyler Higby involved. He was able to get OBJ involved. He was able to get Van Jefferson involved. And I think he's going to have to continue to maintain that. Often, too many times we've seen Matthew Stafford with what I like to call his crutch in Cooper Cup because he's always going to Cooper Cup. And teams are figuring out, look, we're going to double team Cup and let's force Matthew Stafford to find somebody else. Whether it's on a jet sweep, whether it's on a slant route, let's find somebody else that he can he can throw to, and let's see if they connect. And I think Matthew Stafford needs to realize that. that look, Cooper Cup is not your only target. He may be your favorite target, but he's not your only target. You have two outstanding wide receivers in Odell Beckham Jr. and Van Jefferson, and like I said, guys can catch out the backfield. I'm sure Daryl Henderson will be back into the fold, so he can catch out the backfield. You're going to have Sony Michelle continue to to push the ball forward, and also Tyler Higby. Uh, you know, you got a, a variety of weapons on that offense that you could utilize and be able to confuse opposing defenses. And I think that's what exactly what they're going to have to do. Cliff Kingsbury is not an idiot. He's not dumb. He's he's pretty much he's a, he's a great in-game manager uh, as far as adjusting plays. And I think this is a guy that you're going to have to really outsmart. You're going to have to play chess and not checkers when it comes to this. And if Sean McVay will allow his coordinators, whether that be Kevin O'Connell, whether that be, uh, uh, you know, the, the uh the defensive coordinator, um, Raheem Morris, you know, to be able to incorporate plays and be able to stick to those plays and be able to, to, you know, be a manager of the game. 
I think the Rams can prevail. And I think the Rams go on a, a nice little winning streak. I think they can they can win the, the, the rest of their games up until San Francisco. Where I think they, they catch the biggest L. Yeah. I mean, that thing with San Francisco was so fascinating to me in terms of Shanahan having McVay's number. I mean, when you talk about not being dumb, I mean, like McVay is one of the brighter coaches in the league, and I'm sure he circled that game on his calendar. So, I, of course, we'll talk about that when we get a little bit closer to the day. But I think you're right. And it, it, the Rams have done a good job of making headway in Los Angeles in terms of this being a Rams town. But the, the San Francisco 49ers, when they come to town, a ton of red is usually there. Um, Nick, the clip that went viral, and I wanted to talk to you about it, Cooper Cup talking about his ability to get open. What's Cooper Cup like to cover? You know, I mean, if, if you can kind of compare him to some of the other players out there. I mean, normally speaking, uh, players dumb down their responses to the reporters. And to be honest, it, it's not the worst thing in the world because what Cooper Cup was saying, I wasn't quite sure. But uh, what is Cooper Cup like to cover? I mean, he's fa- he's fa- he's fascinating. I think Cooper Cup is one of those guys that he's like that silent, you know, silent uh, uh, threat. You know, when he he's like a guy that you're like, oh, you look at him, you're like, okay, yeah, this guy here. And then you see him actually perform on the field, and you're like, oh, that guy there. Yeah. But he's so cerebral. Um, it's like you know, it reminded me of that watching that clip. Reminded me of when when the reporter asked LeBron to break down a fourth uh, quarter play, yeah. and LeBron broke it down precisely, like yeah. to the letter. And that's exactly and, and and people had to remember how brilliant LeBron is when it comes to the game of basketball. Yeah. It was the same thing with it was the same thing with Cooper Cup. Like I think people didn't realize how brilliant Cooper Cup is because he does he's not a real talkative type of guy. He's not a real rah-rah type of guy. He just goes out there, does his job, loves what he does. He's a family man, um, fits in well with the culture at the Rams. Um, and so he he's definitely a premier player. And but he's in a great system as well. So I yeah. think when you look at all those factors and and, and the, the the brilliance that he displayed, not just I mean he's he's displayed other brilliance, uh, uh, flashes of brilliance I should say, in in times when we've met, us as the local media have interviewed him, so I think it's just the national media got a chance to see what we've all been watching the entire time, yeah. and I think it's great for him. Um, I loved it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> and even you look at the reporter from the NFL network, she was kind of like, you could tell she was even yeah. impressed, like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, this is shoot. She got a viral moment. So exactly. I mean it, yeah. it worked out for everybody. I mean, you know, so I think when you just look at this team overall, um, I think you have to look at the, the talent of Cooper Cup, the brilliance of Cooper Cup, but also the system that Cooper Cup is in. Because people hate this, people hate to to admit this, but if you put Keenan Allen in that same opportunity that, that Cooper Cup had, yeah. we can talk about Keenan Allen a hell of a lot more than we do. That's a great point. No, no doubt about that. Um, we knew Staples Center would be Crypto.com Arena Christmas Day. I was not prepared this week, Nick, to see the Staples Center signage come down the way that it did. It was a little bit early. Also, because they said that the, they're not going to put the signage for Crypto.com Arena till perhaps June. So you got six months where this arena, at least on the exterior, doesn't have a name. Again, you covered so many games there. You've been to so, so many games there over the past 20 years. Uh your thoughts as you saw that come down? I thought the house was getting repossessed. <laughs> I was, I was waiting. I was waiting for it. I'm like, uh, are we closing down shop? I mean, did we lose the mortgage? I mean, what, what's, what's going on? Well, and they're taking down the signage and I'm like, wait a minute. I mean, and, and 
it, it bothered me a little bit. I'm not going to lie because you have so many memories, as you mentioned. I mean, you, you've had some, some golden memories yourself. Yeah. A lot of us, you know, that a lot of people listening now have had some golden memories being at Staples. And if you, even if you went there the first time, um, as a fan, as a reporter, there's so many memories there. Obviously Kobe Bryant stands out, um, being able to witness the Los Angeles Kings win, you know, two Stanley Cups, watching the Sparks with Candace Parker win their third, uh, you know, their third WNBA championship in, in their team history. Um, you know, watching the Clippers, a tribe called Bench, um, watching CP3 and, and Blake and DJ be that 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 trio. Um, and just a, you know, just fun basketball, being able to watch boxing matches in there. Um just going to a couple of concerts that I went through in there. I mean, it was a lot of, it's a lot of memories that you think about Staples Center. And, you know, we still going to call it Staples Center. I yeah. mean, listen, you know, we don't call, what is it called? Westfield, Culver City. We still call it the Fox Hills Mall. So we still going <laughs> to call it Staples Center. I mean, that's just what it is. Like, we, that, that's not changing. I don't care what they call it now. It's still, it's always going to be Staples Center. Yeah. Mama call it Staples Center. <laughs> I'm gonna call it Staples Center, and that's what it is. I mean, Josiah Johnson, shout out to him because he had he had the coolest tweet when he put the old Aunt Viv versus the new Aunt Viv. It was like <laughs> Staples Center versus Crypto.com Arena, and <laughs> it was hilarious, man. But it was so apropos to what everybody was feeling. Uh, Nick, uh, the Celtics came to Los Angeles and was the perfect tonic for the Lakers and the Clippers. They, um, amazingly, the Clippers, without Paul George, as, as we hit on in the first segment, won that game. Brandon Boston Jr., big game. Uh, where do you see these two teams? Again, they're around 500, 13 and 12. Uh, I don't know. I, I it, it seems that there could be a corner turn for the Lakers in terms of, listen, this is not a championship team, but I do think that they have the ability to maybe get, you know, a number four or a number five seed or something like that. But Nick, where do you see these two teams? Again, they, both of the, these teams are considering these big wins, quality wins. How do you see it? Well, first of all, let me say, I love Brandon Boston Jr. The third. I love, I love his game. I love his enthusiasm. I'm really looking forward to seeing how his game develops for the Clippers. I think it'd be an asset to the Clippers for sure. Um, as far as the Lakers and the Clippers being able to turn it around, um, I think yeah, I have a little bit more confidence in the Clippers turning it around versus the Lakers because there's so many factors. There's so many things that are going on that have to work in their favor. I mean, yeah. we don't have, we don't know if Frank Vogel's key card is going to continue to work after Christmas day. Yeah. So that's one factor. Um, secondly, can these guys pull it together? I don't know if they can pull it together. I think they can do some, they can do some work, um, but pulling together a string of wins, you know, four or five game winning streak. I don't know if that's possible for this team right now for, as, as, as pertains to the Lakers. The Clippers, we've seen them go through a seven-game winning streak. I think the yeah. Clippers have to start to pull together some a string of wins as well. But I think it's more feasible and more realistic for the Clippers to do it than the Lakers right now because they're trying to figure out who the hell they are. I don't, do we even know the identity of the Lakers right now? Yeah. I think we have an I, I think we have an idea who the identity of the Clippers are. Um, at least in the beginning of the season. Obviously, they kind of fell, you know, fell in that little, that little uh, what I like to call that rip current. Yeah. Of, trying to, of trying to figure things out. But I think they're starting to, to swim their way back to the shore and figure things out. Um, and mainly it's probably going to end up being their defense. Um, Ty Lue likes to stress defense on that team. But the Lakers, what is their identity? I, I, not name LeBron James. What is their identity? Are they offense? Are they defense? Are they able to, to you know, really able to, to, to be 
have consistent ball movement. You know, Russell Westbrook, is he continue to be the turnover machine that he's going to, as, he, as he's known to be? Um, will he cost them games? Will Anthony Davis be healthy enough? I mean, we just don't know. There's so many questions and not enough answers with this Lakers team. I don't know. They could be a sixth, sixth seed. They could be a playing game team. I don't know. Uh, I have more confidence in the Clippers only because I see what they're they're able to, to, to bring about. And I think the Clippers could possibly be a fourth or a fifth seed. Um, but the top two teams in the West, I think I'm going to remain that way, and that's the Suns. Oh, yeah. Golden State Warriors. And I wonder what is the moment for the Lakers as it pertains to Frank Vogel. You know, this team has struggled. He's on the hot seat. You know, if they – I don't know. Like, if if he's a game below 500 after Christmas Day, do they do do something? We got one minute or so. What do you think? Does Frank is Frank Vogel the coach of this team come January? I don't. I don't think so. If they're, if they're slacking, if they're slacking on their pimping, I don't think so. I think. I think you, the key card might not work after a while, and I think they may have to go in a different direction. But it's not totally Frank Vogel's fault. He doesn't have the proper personnel to run the type of plays that he wants to run, and I think that's also part of the problem that gets ignored is the fact that you got to have the personnel to run those type of plays, and he, I don't think he does in the upper management. <clears throat> LeBron uh, didn't equip him <laughs> with uh, didn't equip him with with those those that that personnel. So it remains to be seen. But somebody's gonna fall on the sword, and it ain't gonna be LeBron or, or Russell Westbrook. Exactly. I mean, you know, when when a team is struggling like this, you can't make a big time trade. You 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 can make small trades, but generally speaking, the coach is the one who falls on the sword. And you know, to his credit, it hasn't happened yet. I mean, if you would have told me before the season that they would be a 500 team. I would have said they would have moved it sooner. Nick, thank you so much. We'll talk to you again next week, my friend. Thanks a lot, Arash. Appreciate you, man. Happy holidays to you. You too. And that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. The Arash Markazi Show on a new generation of radio. The all-new and mightier 1090 AM. Everybody got their own thing. Currency chasing worldwide through the hard times. Warrior faces. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.